Okay, folks, we're we're jumping right into it tonight. I'm co-hosting tonight with the Caucasian reanimated corpse of Ray Charles. Yeah, listen, I mean, you know, I was really jazzed to podcast today. Mm-hmm. I've been having a hankering for the last two days. Okay. For some reason. Uh-huh. But then I got home and I had my chicken salad sandwich and now I don't feel like it. Well, so too bad. You got to rally. I'm trying a new thing, which is wearing my sunglasses to get into character. To get into hype mode. <laughs> yeah, to get hyped up. <laughs> And I'm trying two other new things at the same time. Oh, yeah. So, one of which is the following. <sighs> okay, that's a fail, my guy. Oh, man, it worked so good in the beginning. I know, and oh, what a shame when the recorder started. Oh, 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 oh. This is good audio. You tried, you know. Now the track is off, so I guess we won't hear. God damn it! Oh, I just darn. wanted to hear Donald Trump say N-word, not the N-word, but N-word. And then I was gonna say, "Feel like pure shit." Just want him back. Okay. That was the whole bit, and I don't get to do it now. This has ruined the whole episode. What, I, do, you, what I, do you got? I don't, I, even, I wanna, feel... I don't even want to participate. <laughs> I feel like. That as a bit is not the strongest bit I've ever heard. Um, I found the old cable. We we're going to have the iPad going. We we're going to have sound effects and video clips. It was you have sound be like, effects? It was going to be like a real podcast. Wow. And now it's over. Now we can't do it. I, I can edit in some boyoings I'm tomorrow. I'm so upset because right before we started recording, mm-hmm. I played the clip and it worked perfectly. Yeah. It worked absolutely perfectly. That's why we don't rehearse in this house. And then, no, of course, no. we get on the show, uh-uh. and I can't have anything that I want. Mm-mm. No nothing dress ever, rehearsals, never. Nothing ever goes right. Oh, I mean, you. T- I mean, tell me about. I let's let's just talk about a journey. So I got a new toy today, because I am always increasingly frustrated by the fact that my battery is dead by around six o'clock every day, um, on my telephone, my telephonic device. Uh-huh. So I said, oh no. And I've been on the fence of, do I want to buy a camera and be a professional artist? And then I was talked out of it by you saying, it's always going to be shitty because you have no idea what you're doing and you don't have thousands of dollars of lights. And I said, okay. So I said, I'll treat myself to one thing. I'll go get, I'll, I'll go get a new phone. Because we can't go without a treat. I the option tr- is not to save the money or to do something else with it that's not quite well, as expensive. Light it on fire, yeah. We have to spend it. We must spend it. I mean, I'm spending it over time, 36 months. Thank you so much. Um, but, you know, I, I had an itch and I didn't want to buy it. So this is my thing. My new resolve is sometimes when I get that itch, I would just go to Soho and be like, well, just I'll pop into the shops and do a little retail therapy, buy some unnecessary pants and shirts and things. And I said, no, let's get something with higher use value, shall we? So I did. Um, but it took talking to Althea, my... Um, uh, tech support person at Verizon because when I went to check out, they were like, no. And I said, excuse. Uh, so I had to talk to her for a full 54 minutes in order to set up an order to go to Union Square to pick it up. So uh, the internet is bad. Um, Calm it- down. Hang on. Slow down. 
You're blowing through the whole episode right now. It's, it's a bad story. It's a bad in. story. That's what I'm trying no, to do. No, we're you know. going to pause and we're going to talk about your new phone. Okay. You brought it up, so now we have to. Oh. There's a lot I don't understand about this story. Mm-hmm. The first thing is... You, you take went, off the sunglasses, though. No, like, I'm not taking the sunglasses off. They're staying on for the whole two hours. Oh, you God. have to. It is really hard to see, though. It is dark <laughs> in here, I have to admit. I'm, I'm not turning the light on behind me, either. I am visually impaired right now, so... Anyway. We'll get you a piano and you can start singing. Just So you're at the Verizon store, and they have a phone there that you're looking at. And then you go to purchase the phone, and they're like, actually, we don't have the phone. You need to go to another location. No, 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 to no, get no. The phone. no, 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 no. You're you're far ahead. You don't go to store to pick out phone anymore. You do it all online. Okay. Because because of COVID intro, they're like, no, no, just figure it out online. Plus, you save like thirty five bucks or something if you do it over, you know, whatever. Um, they don't charge you the eighty dollars setup fee or whatever. I'm like, oh, just give me the fucking device. I'll do this myself. Um. So I did all of that at home over the course of an hour in the little chat bot thing, just waiting for someone to add some shit to a cart. But the whole point is that they go, okay, I've added that. By the way, you're eligible for some accessories. Do you want to buy some? They're 30%. And I'm like, no. Well, I just noticed that you are eligible for an Apple Watch. I'm like, no, I don't want that either. No one wants Apple Watch. Yeah, I understand they're trying to upsell you or whatever. But what I don't understand is why can't you just drag the phone into the cart yourself? I tried and then it went... There was a problem checking out, and I said, excuse me? See, that's different. They're forcing you into a chat bot? Uh-huh. Okay. You yeah. got to explain all this stuff, you understand? Uh, it's the nature of your story that makes it confusing. I was confused experiencing yeah. it. So so you tried to check out on your own, yes, and it correct. forced you to the chat bot. Yes, correct. Why did it say there was a problem checking out? What does that mean? Unknown. A problem. Couldn't tell you. Could did you already you. put in your credit card and try to process your payment? Because I was just like, okay, just add it to the bill, and then I will make payments like because you can log in and just go i'm paying towards phone and i was like great i'll just make a payment towards phone after we just wrap this shit up instead of putting in billing again because i was like i don't want to throw this off and i think because you know the home thing the home address of the primary user is in ohio and i'm going i want to pick this up at 800 something broadway they were probably like no thank you sir you cannot do that and i said but fuck you i want it oh interesting that is probably why yeah that reads as kind of suspicious. It looks like you stole somebody's information. Right. And are trying to get a free phone out of it. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I don't know, though. Verizon is a fucking shit show. I haven't gotten a <sighs> new phone in a long time, but I was looking at new phones as well because I'm having the same battery life problem where when you don't even get a day out of it anymore, it's a real problem. It's a trash. It's a trash heap. Um, but so I was looking and I was thinking, I don't know what the difference is exactly, but I kind of just want to buy it through Apple. Uh, same shit. And not through Verizon. It's probably a much more seamless user experience. Yeah, because the last time I got a new phone at Verizon, I had to change my phone number. Oh, right. I had to. That's insane. I had a similar like conundrum as you, but I was in person because it was prior to COVID, long prior. Right. And the sweaty salesperson like, won't let me just get what I want. I'm like, hey, I just want the 64 gigabyte one right there. Can I have that one? And they're like, no, but what about all this stuff? And I'm like, I don't want that. I, don't I just want, want this one. And they're like, we don't actually have this one. We only have the 128 gigabyte one. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to pay extra because you told me already that I could have the 64. And then you walk in the back room and now it's not there. Okay, so, so order me the one I, that want I want. The, I want the same. Well, I want it today. I want the, I want the 128 phone, but I want the same price. 
And he's like, well, we can do that, but we have to change your phone number. That's and I'm insane. like, you have to change my phone number. Why? Oh, to get you the deal on the phone. I guess so. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But then that's a whole hour-long debacle. They just walk away. They walk into the back room. They're fucking around. They come out. They're not telling you anything. Right. You're like, what am I doing here? Am I, am I going to leave with a phone today or what? At the same time, they're desperate because they get commission, so they want the sale. Right. But they're also terrible at customer service. I have to say, when I went to the store, it was actually very pleasant. I just went, hi, I don't know who's getting the alert that my shit is ready, but I ordered this about three hours ago, and I came to, you know, I just came to check on it. Hopefully it's ready. And the lady was like, mm, what's your name? And I was like, okay, oh yeah, let me go get it for you. And I was like, oh, this is great. Well, yeah, I mean, picking up an order these days, I mean, that's all there is to it. There's... Right. And then, here's the thing, this is where we get into some real fuckery. So I should have listened to Althea in the process. Are we actually recording? Yeah, we're fine. We're fine. My headphones just sound a little weird. Mm. Um, yeah. I should have listened to Althea because uh, this is how Apple is a scam. They have now upgraded all of the bricks. Yeah, I know because my iPad came with a new brick. You have to have that for your phone now. Yeah, I know. It's all USB-C to lightning. What in the fuck? Do you know how many stupid bricks I have now? I'm yeah, like, I know. So I'm like, fine, give me the brick, give me the brick, and give give me a six foot cord too. Fuck this, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Like, so I spent a you know a sizable chunk, not as much as a camera, but like a, more than I wanted to on just a quick pick me up treat situation. You yeah, know? I mean, a phone is expensive. It's more expensive than a camera, no, or about the same really price. Pay for it. Which one did you get? Did you get the thirteen? I got the thirteen because it came in green, and I said yes, give me the green. Yeah, one. I was looking at the colors. I kind it's, of hate that. I kind of. If you make it in... Okay, so here's my thing. Let's actually talk visual culture. Bottle green, when it's in culture, love it. It's my favorite time. It's a very specific, dark, model-y, like... This one's a little darker than they photograph in the, you know, PR photo, so I'm a little pissed. Because it's not like, you know, bottle green. Um, Because I don't know what kind of strobes they're using. Um, But it's like a really... Oh, it's such a rich green. Um... So that's like, I know it's always a good sign. Actually, it's usually a bad sign for economy when bottle green pops up because last time I bought a beautiful bottle green sweater, economy tanked. So, anywho. Um, ah, see, that's where we need the iPad for the do-do-do. <laughs> financial recession song. Uh-huh, pretty much, um, yeah. But I was like, oh, let me get it now. <laughs> you know, I don't have a problem with the color per se on objects. I get what you're saying about bottle green. But I have a problem with Apple doing it. I thought it was the death knell for their brand when they introduced gold and rose gold. I was like, no, 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 no. We are a classy brand here. We do silver and we do dark gray. That's what we do. And that's all we do. And you proles with your tacky TikTok aesthetics either... You can buy your pink shits and get a case. Tolerate this or, yeah, get a stupid case. Right. But now they're like, oh, we only do colors, actually. There's not even a black one anymore. And there's not a silver one. Isn't it space gray? The space gray is fine, I guess, but it's like... It's not black, black. Yeah, let's just do a neutral Why not just say device. jet? You know, Something. just get jet. Yeah. But, the, you know, you can get a white one. You Ew. can get a pink one. But, Gross. like, they're horrible. It's like, come on, it's cheap. It looks It's bad. cheap and tacky. And you know what it is? It's a device because the iPhones have not really improved so you gotta get in several color. generations. Yeah. So there has to be something appealing about it to get you to pay three times as much as an Android phone. Right. When ultimately they're all the same thing now. I mean, this one's also smaller than my previous phone, which I'm like, yes. Oh, it is? It's a little shorter. That's weird. 
I'm fine with it. I hate that they do that too. I was looking at the same thing, looking at phones that they change the screen size now, generation to generation. Yeah. So I would have to get a bigger phone, which I don't want. You get a smaller phone. No, no, the smaller phone is bigger than my current phone, which was already too big, too big yeah. at the time, and now I've gotten used to it. Well, but I don't know. I have iPad now, so all phones look small to me. That's true. I can't look at the phone anymore. It's too small. I have bad eyes. I can't do it. I don't know. Maybe sitting in the dark with sunglasses on might have some strain on the no, eyes. No, they're prescription. They help my eyes. You don't understand. Okay. Yeah. I was reaching for my pocket. Do you want me to... We can do the after show in all sunglasses. Okay. The cocaine after show. Just got to pop some sunnies on in the dark. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is hard to see. I, I, I took them off just now because I can't monitor the levels, and that makes me nervous, especially uh, when my headphones feel weird right now. So, huh. yeah. All right. Yeah. So, anyway. Anyway, um, you got a new toy instead of getting a camera. By the way, you were saying I was like talking you out of getting a camera. I was just providing you context. I know. That's how I would put it. That's that's talking me off the ledge and going, I, I will never do that. Well, you know, it's worth stating that my point, you blew through it real quick, was just that, yeah, you could get a nice camera and try to take all your own photos, but it's a lot more complicated than that. And you're going to end up needing a lot more stuff than you think you need. And it yeah. turns out you had to buy all new bricks anyway, so you might as well just got the camera. I bought the light setup too. Would have cost the same amount of money. Eh. No, more, so much more. So much you more. You know, in for 800, in for 8K. What's really the difference? I mean, once you hit that $500 threshold, it's all just fun money at that point. At that point, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I did also, I was in Union Square, so I was like, I have to go try on the faggy safari jacket. Oh, yeah. Will was looking at like a pastel colored jacket that looks like it came off the guy in Jumanji, the hunter. It looks like Brian Fellows's ideal jacket. It is a Brian Fellows jacket, 100%. Right? Because, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, you know, we call that a go to, in the preppy handbook, something like pants, that color would be called go to hell pants. It's a go to hell jacket. Um, very country club. But then when I went and actually looked at it physically, I was like, oh, you cannot charge $300 for this. This is a shirt with pockets. Oh, yeah, that sucks. Um, well, and I feel like saying it's country club is a little misleading because it's not like it's one color. It's not like it's pastel it's every pink color, with yeah. anchors on it. It's like five different colors. Yeah. It looks like the Easter bunny. It looks like the put through a paper shredder <laughs> and then reassembled as a shirt, a shirt jacket. Yeah. Um, I, once I actually like, you know, had it in my hands, I said, I cannot try this on. I went with the intent cause I was like, I have to, I got to take the picture. I got to do it. And then I said, no. I'm going to try on the world's baggiest pants instead. And I realized, ooh, I don't like ba that baggy of a pant. And then I decided to leave. And then good thing I did because some like 24-year-old twink was like trying on several sizes of the safari jacket and just throwing them on top of the very neat pile that I saw the poor sales associate diligently folding. I was like, oh, I'm so glad I don't do that. Um, but like hurling, hurling to the point of stuff was just around this dude in front of a mirror. I was like, can you not? Oh, you're, Union you're Square is always like that. I was like, God, uh, listen, we need NYU to just collapse. I don't know how to do it, but what kind of Ponzi scheme? How much money did Jeffrey Epstein give them? You know, what can we look up? Because um, that whole, you know, real estate empire needs to crumble. I mean, yeah, I don't we know. don't need any more Tisch graduates. I don't know anything about the size of their endowment or whatever, but I, I think college is collapsing under its own weight. 
It won't be long. Just wait till China invades Taiwan and they have to send all those students packing. Oh, I don't boy. know where the rest of the money is going to come from, right. to be totally honest with you. There's only so many twinks that can study poetry at NYU and finance that sinking ship. Uh, you know? You'd be surprised. A lot. Mm, a lot of people looking to get out of the Midwest. What can you do? Long Island. Yeah. You know. mm. Mm. Maybe they'll push an old lady and kill her accidentally. Oh, ooh, that story's bleak. <laughs> um, okay, she looks crazy. By the way, the picture, the like the like mugshot picture, has her looking real wild. Well, the funniest thing about this story to me is I saw it whenever it happened, like at least a week ago, right? It's been a little yeah. while, and it was on the R slash NYC subreddit, which is a hilarious place, by the way, for anybody that lives in New York. If you really want to see the like, a of the- bleak side of the city, get to know its redditors. Oof. Um, so they posted this story, you know, and everyone's seeing that like surveillance image of that woman. And the cops, I think, said like mid 30s woman. And everyone on the subreddit's like, no, this woman's not in her mid 30s. She's easily in her 40s, maybe right. even her early 50s. And then it turns out she's 26. I was going to say 28. <laughs> she has the face of like a 28 year old who like maybe came here after Oberlin. Yeah, but she's from Long Island, it turns out. Port Jefferson. Hmm. Well, you know. Have you you've been to Long Island? Sure. You've seen what the population looks like. I mean, she looks pretty good for Long Island, I have to say. She's underweight based on that demographic. I'll tell you that right now. Too small for you Long know, Island, too big redhead. for the city. Hey. Yeah. You know, a a Joan type bitch. She was not she's not a Joan. Well, she's the modern version, you know. She was some sort of girl boss at a fine furniture company. She's apparently in the middle of her engagement right now. I wonder how that's going. They had like a wedding website and all of this stuff up. Wait, they found her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They found her. But she they t- haven't found her found her. No, she turned herself in. Oh. And now the internet is alight with all the remnants of her social media profiles. Oh, boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she was about to get married to, I'm going to say a guy named Tony. You know, he kind of looks like a Tony. I only saw one picture of him. I don't know his name. Mm-hmm. You know, he's some schlub from Long Island, too. Why don't they stay on the island? Don't they know they have it better? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got to come into the city if you're feasting for blood, you know? It's American <laughs> Psycho style. Don't you realize you smell like shit? Oh, boy. Okay. Again, I saw that movie. Couldn't tell you anything about it. Um, other than Huey Lewis. Yeah, you really responded to the soundtrack. Yeah. Which is what everybody responds I to. I mean, yeah, it's fine. I can be basic and watch that movie. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I will accept it. Um. Anywho. Yeah, I was like, oof. Oof. Union Square. I was like, cause I almost was like, ooh, I'm going to go to Strand while I'm here too. And then I went, no, we're trying to escape by rush hour. Because once people start cramming, because then I would have had to take ugh, that station. No, I don't even want to know what that pit of despair looks like. I haven't been, and I don't. Cho- I don't plan on it. Don't wanna. How did you get home then? I walked to the M. Oh, you walked all the way downtown to Delancey. No, there's one on Fourteenth and Sixth. Oh yeah, okay. So just kind of very scoot. underused station. I know me. it's so, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so because uh, yeah, Thunderdome. No, Underground Thunderdome. No, thank you. No, 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 no. Given my you know princess proclivities as of late with the public transpo, absolutely not. Not not doing that. So, yeah, that's my that's my story from today, my journey. Nice, man. That sounds like a good day. You got a nice treat. 
You know, the thing with a new phone, though, is the treat factor lasts about a day and a half, and then you're like, ah, it's just a fucking phone. It lasted two hours until I realized I remember no passwords and everything. Oh, yeah, that's always a bummer, setting up the whole thing. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, oh, well. That's why I was on the phone going, hi, hello, can you reset my password? No, you're going to make a ticket? Okay, great. How many times are we going to respell my last name? Five? Okay, cool. Great. Um, Anywho, um... Why were you in such a like amped up mood to, you know, I don't know, records. just the, the last couple of days I'd been feeling the feeling the urge. But like I said, I don't feel it anymore. I don't feel it currently right now. I have the syndrome that you usually have, which is just my brain is empty uh, and I'm really struggling to just even keep this sentence going. Well, let alone the rest of the hour, so I don't know. I can steer a little bit, you know, like, you know, the boat's going down. Uh, you know, the ghost ship is following us and I can throw some cannonballs, you know. Mm. Um, the ghost of Kiev. I was thinking more of Master and Commander boat. Oh, the Phantom. That's that's the reference. Phantom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm. Um. So I did end up reading after after you reminded why reminded me why I like black holed the article on uh, why I hate museums from. No, I, it's not why I hate museums. It's fifteen things museums do that annoy me, or something like that. Well, we're going to look it up. Ostensibly, it's a pro-museum argument, but in a listicle form of gripes. They're not even gripes. It's the stupidest shit I've ever read. Um, Hold on. Hyper allergic 15. What? 15. Just look up 15 things. Museums. museums. Oh, 15, 15 things that museums do that piss me off. That set me alight. Isabella Segalovich. Ooh, Russian. Canceled. I know. I'm Get like, her out of here. I know. I'm like, girl, how are you still in this country? How, you haven't been deported yet? Send them back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. I mean, when we were waiting to go to the, um, you know, when we were in line to go to the Met and there were like blonde Russian teens going, that's what all Russians sound like to me. Um, I was like, hmm. What's going to happen when your parents can't send money anymore? Huh. Not going to be chilling at the Met on a casual Sunday. Yeah, I don't know. They'll figure, out. They'll figure out ways. They'll figure out ways. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I don't think the Russian upper crust is having too many problems uh, skirting these sanctions. Want laundering money? No. Um, so, number one, we're going to do it like um, Watch Mojo. All right, 15 things that museums do that piss you off. All right, got... All right, gang, gang, let's roll down this listicle and uh, tell you all about why we hate museums. One, they're, when they're too quiet. I love this. Fuck you. You're wrong. I, I know. You should read what she says. Just read the beginning of it. I grew up in a loud, boisterous, art-loving family. I was like, Italian or Jewish? Which one? Just read the quote, and then we'll Um, talk about it. Even though we were regular visitors, we always stuck out at the museum. My mom's high heels would clack, her jewelry would jangle, and people's heads would turn as she yelled, Girls, come look at this one. Mom, I'd whisper, we're supposed to be quiet here. I think she stuck her tongue out in response. Fuck off. Shut up up in a museum. This, This was the best part about this article. Because I got a link to it from another article that was making fun of it. And I was like, how bad could it really be? And then the first thing. Oh, it's bad. Is the number one rule that we've talked about on this show ad nauseum. Museums are a quiet place of reverence and respect. 
and the running around of children and the jangling of jewelry and sticking your tongue out at your mom, you belong at Bush Gardens eating a fucking funnel cake and spilling a beer on yourself. You can do that at the Brooklyn Museum. You, know, you don't you need to do that there at the map. not fitting in the roller coaster that you're trying to ride. Right. You do not belong at a museum. Get the fuck out of here. It's fine for it to be quiet. How else are you supposed to look at art? You're I, supposed to have an interaction with it and a relationship to it that requires a contemplative environment. You're supposed to be able to have focus. Yes. And you know what doesn't isn't conducive to focus? The jingle jangle and the, you know, hold on, where are my keys? Fuck you. Also, what kind of cheap ass jewelry are you wearing that it's jingle jangling? I don't I need don't you. Know. Also, keep your, keep your costume jewelry at home. Well, and what I hate about this, the tone of her writing is just insufferable. It's these like, it's, hyper allergic. it's these hyper allergic, like woke journalists that are always like condescending everybody, but at the same time trying to make that into like a classist point. Well, the number one reason that people don't visit museums is they say they don't feel like they belong there. And it's like, yes, if you don't feel like you belong at a museum, it means you don't. And that's fine. You don't have to. If you want to belong there, you need to adapt to the conventions. Well, it's like, so like, I don't feel like the most comfortable like going to like, uh, what are they called? Not operas, but like orchestra, orchestras. Why? I fall asleep. Like, about 45 minutes in, it's just luxe. You know, you're in a velvet seat. It's very plushy, and you're just, like, a little dressed up, a little warm. Some little... would say you feel a little too comfortable. And then I just start nodding. It's like being in church. Yeah. Because you're just like, I can't move. I can't go anywhere, and I just got to listen. Oh, church time. Time to take a little nappy poo. Um, so, yeah, I'm comfortable, but I'm also then bored. Um, but, like, I'm not going to, like, whip out my phone and play Wordle or doodle jump or whatever the fuck well it's just like what is the need what is the need for every space to be a space of recreation that's not what a museum is it's not a public park there are public spaces that are available to everybody that are for playing in that are for being loud and running around what is the urge to turn places that are historically not for that into that why does everything need to be an amusement park We'll get into that because there's a later point that I was like, but the Met does, everybody does this in cer- certain areas of museum are host to certain things. Yeah. But when I'm in, you know, a gallery of French painting from, you know, the 1600s, you know what I don't want to hear? Like some like harpsichord because I'd punch someone. Well, again, it's just the need to be constantly dis- distracted. Like you have a TikTok attention span. By the way, that writer is a TikToker. It's in her bio. So if that gives you any impression of how seriously to take her. But anyway, like your attention span is so short that you can't be in a silent public place or a quiet public place. They must be pumping in Muzak like it's a fucking airport bar. I mean, I'm not ordering an apple teeny and then sucking someone off in the airplane bathroom. Don't talk about me like that. Um, Number two. Number two. They are when they are way too expensive and they might not need to be like, okay. Yeah, well, she goes into this whole bit about how museums only derive 6% of their revenue from their ticket sales, so why are they jacking up the prices? And one of the reasons that contradicts her first point and many of her other points, that they raise the prices for tourists, is because they're trying to make museums attractive to people like you. They're trying to turn it into an amusement park to bump up their revenues, and they're trying to charge you amusement park prices. Right. You know, Brad Trammell's recent videos have gone into this quite a bit. 
their incentive structure is now such that they're no longer guardians of like the uh, finance financial stake in art. They're just trying to appeal to a broader public fandom of things. So yeah, they're trying to appeal to you, and part of that is the ticket price. And because part of it is like, you know, when you know when the Met was free for all, free for all, you know less people were going because it was like stodgy and it's like, oh, we can go to there anytime because it's free, which is perfect because then people don't go there. Yeah. So then you can have the run of it. Well, and like even if the ticket prices end up excluding people, I never buy this argument because if you're an interested party, museums are like pretty laissez-faire with their entry fees. If you're an artist or if you know someone that works there or if you're a member of the community in some way, you can figure out how to get into a fucking museum for free. It takes a call or a hick. And I'm it's really thinking, not yeah. that difficult if you're invested in doing that. You can skirt the entry prices. It's not like it's exclusionary. I mean, and except for the Guggenheim. And we, we've all it, agreed too much. And even if it is exclusionary, I support it. Yeah, I don't want to go I don't that far want that anyway. many people there, especially if they don't need the revenue. They don't need to attract an audience. They want to. Right. Yeah. When they don't allow pictures, what? I don't even. When I don't the... think any museums really do that anymore. She uses an example of like some museum, I think in Greece or like in Egypt, maybe Germany. The Neue Museum in Germany. In Germany, okay, maybe in Europe they're still doing that, but in the United States, fuck no, they're not trying to oh, enforce that no. policy at all. They're just like no flash. And she makes it an issue of like people of the museum like trying to sell more postcards, but that's not why they do that. It's a rights thing. Because if it belongs to a private collection or something and they don't want to allow it for their own unique reasons, they can't allow it. Right. In general, they realize that Instagram helps their image and they want people to do it. Yeah. Which is also a bane of everybody's existence. There should be no photography allowed. Well, we did we talk about that on I here before? I think we did I at least like, once, yeah. yeah. Uh, when they don't feel... Okay, number four. When they don't feature local artists. Uh, I was jumping for joy. This person's in Philadelphia. There's too much Philly in here. Which is... That's also basically free yeah um going like oh new grit art in philly now like it was like why did it take so long for these philadelphia artists many of whom are queer and artists of color to be blah 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 blah. listen 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 as one of the two parties you know made mention there i don't even like the q word let's just be real um who cares that that doesn't mean it's good and should be there you know no, that doesn't mean it's good or should be there. And also, like, at, at this point, after however many years of this, almost 10 years of this kind of scolding, you have to be shitting me if you don't think that being queer or an artist of color is an advantage right now. Oh, yeah. It straight it's up is. There's way less of you guys, and you're filling up all the spots right now. <laughs> you need to get out of the fucking way. It's white men's turn again. I'm so sorry. You got 10 years in the light, but... That's it's enough, okay? Enough. Are you gonna make watercolor paintings of dicks? Yeah, actually, mm, most straight probably would. Yeah, they're all that anyway. But anyway, I'm I'm kidding. But the the local artist thing, like, I you know, when you're in New York, you're like, yeah, all of these people were New Yorkers at some point. Yeah, it's local as fuck. Well, I and mean, even in other circumstances, like regional museums or whatever, I do feel like they do that quite a bit. Yeah, like having worked at the Mocha in Cleveland, like. Almost always, at least one There's of their one galleries, show, yeah. even if it was their small one, was local artists. I think they make a real effort to do that. Everybody does. And that's contemporary art museums. I think when it comes to historical art museums, I don't think they're really under any obligation to do that. They're they're about collecting like jewels from the canon. 
I know that's unpopular for people now, but you're supposed to import things that you wouldn't otherwise get to see. It's about enrichment because otherwise you could see. I mean, at the CMA, they have that see the Cleveland Gallery because they're like, we have Julian, we have the other guy who does like things and then glass stuff, some pottery, you know, like some old people from like, you know, the olden days. Well, yeah, and, then and they have a of, Scott. Like, it's fine. Lots know. of museums do that. But anyway, like, the broader point of an institution at a high level is not to represent small-scale players at a regional level. That's not their role. Galleries in every city exist for this purpose. Why are we putting an emerging art show in uh, at the PMA? Yeah, you no, know, it's like, about I mean, things that have stood the test of time. That's the point of a museum. Right. Yeah. Or the test of a larger audience. Both, yeah. yeah. Number five, when they show the same artists and artists over, uh, when they show the same artists over and over again with no one new, whatever. Who cares? And then this is about. I mean, like, wait, wait. Go ahead. Are you going to read part of it? Well, this is basically just like I don't want to talk about Andy or Keith Herring. There's this graffiti artist that I think is cooler than them, and should get some time. Yeah, she's talking about L.A. too, whose real name is Angel Ortiz. I took yeah. a look at this person's work and their history with Keith Haring because I was pretty invested in that period of time right. and that scene at one point, and I'd never fucking heard of this person. Yeah, And it does turn out that they did collaborate, in quotes, with Keith Haring a lot, but what that meant was Keith Haring would make a whole painting and they would like tag on it a couple of times. Their contribution <laughs> to like, you know, that whole scene i can't speak from like a social perspective maybe they were a big player like interpersonally but artistically it's drag it's not good so i don't care who is the guy in the andy warhol doc um spray paint guy who now has a bunch of shows at um james fuentes uh not kenny scharf but the other guy Mm -hmm. shit i don't remember yeah Lee, something, whatever. Um, well, it's hard to remember because they used their graffiti names for a long time in the and 80s and 90s, and now they use their real names, so no one knows who the fuck they it's are. It's very confusing. And, but it, the point is, it's just graffiti art. And I get why there's like a, a certain niche carved out historically for that, especially in the 70s and 80s in New York. That was right. like prime time. But like, let's all admit to ourselves that that kind of shit doesn't really change that much. No. And is not really that important. Wait, don't keep don't keep looking at your phone. I know. I'm talking. I'm just, about. I'm thinking. Okay. Um, the other thing the other thing was like I kind of if I can set aside the tone of this writer and my just seething hatred for her um I kind of understand this point I complain about this in terms of mega galleries all the time cuz it's like really we're doing Richard Sarah on 24th Street again right. didn't we just do that last year and then it's like oh no we didn't do it last year we did it 2 years ago though Mhm and museums follow this like same set cycle and pattern. And she's complaining like, do we really need another interpretation of Picasso and blah, blah, blah. But like on a longer time scale, it makes a little bit more sense. Like we were having a long conversation on the last episode about Picasso and David and all these, and right. all these people. And it's like, well, that conversation revolved around how we view that through a contemporary lens. Like David looks really different today than it might've even looked a month ago, perhaps. Or, you know, Picasso's, like, period in the 20s where he's, like, fooling around with fascism. Like, well, that's kind of interesting from a a lens of today in a way that maybe in, like, 1950-something it was. It wasn't. So recycling, like, the old heads is kind of part of their mandate, don't you think? Well, you kind of have to go, hmm. Like, I I don't think that, you know, for instance, there's the... Uh, Warhol and being Catholic show. Yeah. Right now, I'm like, I don't need that. We know. 
and they're just going to be like, here's all the imagery that's kind of religiosity. And you're like, okay. Well, you know, it's been an old saw to talk about Warhol's late work in terms of its Catholic imagery for a while, but like, but they're not a... going to like have like the that other one, the you know the death come you know good bad the one at the end of the dock. Well, I'm getting to that. So yeah. like one of the things in the Andy Warhol Diaries, the Netflix show that was really interesting is they had that one young woman I think from the Warhol Museum. Yes, that had this whole take on Warhol's late work that said like yeah, obviously the Catholic part of it is what everybody talks about, but if you look at it in a more coded way, it's also about fear of AIDS. Yeah. And that's really interesting. So, like, maybe this current show has the aim of doing the same old thing of, like, showing Warhol's uh, religiosity. But I would like to see the show on the basis of what I learned from the documentary. So it's like, again, like, when you repeat an artist or you, you know, bring the canon back up again, when new information comes to light or you have a new context for it, like, it can be fun to see. It's not bad to do that. Like, I think, again, it's along the lines of, like, on one hand, the over-reliance on, like, I just don't want to do anything traditional because I want new representation, which I have a lot to say about that, but is not the mandate of a museum, really. Yeah. That's one element of it. And then the other element of it, again, is just this person's fucking attention span. They're like, no, I want to be distracted. I just want something new. Right. I don't want to see things that I have to, like, think about again. Which is Repetition is boring to me. You know, like, all right. Which is closer to like, you know, uh, in the 2010s, it was very much a thing in galleries. Not so much. uh, You see it a little bit in museums, but very much in galleries of like, let's find someone who has passed over once and we're going to resuscitate a career because there's a lot of material around and we can pump up. We can inflate the value for no good goddamn reason. But other than people might have been looking at it and people might have a little shred of something that they can take away contemporarily, but it was mostly just like, if you knew, you knew, maybe you could seal from it. But like, if you think about someone like, you know, when there was a lot of Krushenik out, out and about in the yeah, 2010s. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, this was also around the same time that uh, Carmen Herrera got the retrospective at the Whitney, like where it was like, Ooh, let's just pull up some stuff. Cause it's like, well, there's material, but you've kind of reached a dead end in terms of what you can pump up especially in like the Krushnik example, because you're like, ooh, these aren't bad condition. Like the Max Bill show at Zwarner, you're like, ooh, these are not looking good. Like, can you conserve the things maybe before we try to have this conversation? Or can we have a conversation about this was work from a particular period of time? That's more interesting rather than pump and dump value infusion, which this person doesn't know was happening, clearly. Yeah, this person doesn't understand anything. But the... the um the point about like Max Bill or Krushnik and the condition of the work and the like kind of uh, money propping up of it is one angle. But again, I think it's like more a role of well-established galleries with a lot of like credibility to um, secure loans to do shows like that. Cause like ultimately I don't think a museum would do a Krushnik show because he's not that important of an artist. Like he's a novelty for a certain period of time. Oh, like provisional painting is in the air. And like, we have this new person that was sort of on the edge of pop art and that, and they have this like niche influence for two or three years. Like right. it's interesting for a gallery to do that show when there's also a contemporary conversation, like collaborating with that work, right. but you put that in a museum and it's like, I don't know. Does that hold up to a Roy Lichtenstein? Like, no. And I'm not saying that Roy Lichtenstein is a better artist, but I do think that he took a lot of the same elements and just packaged them into a more succinct form. Right. 
That's why he's in a museum and not Khrushchev. Why hasn't there been a good Roy, Roy show in a while? Was there one in 2009? Mm, I don't know when the last time there was. I mean, uh, Paula Cooper has had on and off like weird shows of like leftover inventory of she him. did entablatures and that was like a big yeah. shebang but if you're talking about like a Liechtenstein retrospective that would be an interesting thing it's just kind of boring though. kind of boring though yeah yeah so sad um all right what do we got when their changes in the name of racial justice are only surface level do we even want to touch this one or i just want to keep on going no i'll touch it because i thought what was interesting about that was like no duh oh really (laughs) like all of your activism doesn't actually fucking do anything because it's about virtue signaling and not about results so yeah that's all i have to say about that you fucking stupid idiot god i hate this person i mean listen nypd is back at moma hey because he got just takes a stabbing just one stabbing is all. oh i mean you know hey all all cops are bastards until two white people get stabbed and now we need them we definitely got to have them (sighs) yeah there's a lot of coming up there's some real there's some real hot potatoes this this is the one this is oh (laughs) fuck this is the one where i'm like oh fuck no i don't want to click the link when even after years of demands they refuse to change galleries named after nazi sympathizers and it's like you're just talking about philip johnson just say that well she does say that in the next sentence but making that one of the bullet points as if that's addressed to anywhere but moma right is really weird because it's only that one example and i actually wanted to talk to you about this because you would probably know more about this than me Mm -hmm. i'm not that invested in architecture i didn't know that much about philip johnson like i know the glass house um i know he did like the moma courtyard and didn't he do like seagram building he did like some collaboration in Midtown no, with no, Mies no, no. van der Rohe that's like really famous, but I forget which one it is. The Seagram Building is is Mies, but he's not even noted as architect of record, so it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. But anyway, I mean, like I read a lot today because I actually thought that was really interesting. I was like, wait, I didn't know about this. Is, oh, yeah. He's is some... this just a thing that SJWs say or is this real? And it turns out it's, for real. it's pretty fucking yeah. real. Um, however... Let me lay it out for a second because I want to be. This is I want to be careful about how I approach this. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's a first. The whole thing was that in the 30s, when Philip Johnson was a young man, he was sort of under the spell of a lot of far right, like American people, like Father Charles Coughlin, Huey Long. These are all noted people in American history. If you know the history of that period, you know they were firebrands on the radio and in politics that were not really fascist because that wasn't a thing yet. Right. But were nativist populists. Like they were the Trumps of their time. Yeah. It's an, uh, un, it's an imperfect it analogy. Was, or Rush's, Rush Limbaugh's of their time. Coughlin would have been like Rush. Huey Long would have been more like a Trump. Mm. You know, FDR at one point called uh, Huey Long one of the two most dangerous men alive, him yeah. and Douglas MacArthur. Um mm. But this is all in the context of the Great Depression and the New Deal, you know? Right. So, like, I understand, like, a young, edgy intellectual getting invested in, like, the counter-revolution. Because you probably see a lot of people around you going socialist or communist. And for whatever reason, you don't agree with them or you just want to be contrarian. Like, if this all sounds familiar, it should. Um, And so, instead, he throws his bag in with the right, right? Yeah. Maybe after a brief flirtation with the... I don't know. but that's, So that's where he's at. And then in the 30s, he goes and studies in Germany. 
Oh, yeah. And he is exposed to Hitler rallies. He uh, begins to admire like the artists and intellectuals of the Third Reich, and he wrote a lot of things that were openly supportive of the Nazis until around 1940, because he was a political writer, too, at the time for publications. Oh, yeah. So he, lo- he wrote a lot of pro-Nazi things. And then in 1940, abruptly dropped politics and said, I'm just going to get out of it and focus on architecture. I think implicit in that is that he understood at some point that this was fucked up. This is too far. But but really late because... It's a little late to be... 40 is a little late. It was late because even in 39, when they invaded Poland, he was saying like how good it was for Polish people and how when he visited that area, like he didn't see anything but prosperity. Like he was very... He was pro-Nazi till... He would have been, at that point, though, he would have only been, like, 26. Yes, he was incredibly, incredible. He was so, because he was smart as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which, you know, smart people are very easy to sway at the end of the day. You can kind of, like, just go, if you have a tight argument, you can go, oh, yes, yes, I I do support that. Your argument is sound. No, I agreed. I mean, I agreed. Uh, One of the reasons that I wanted to lay all that out and say, if it sounds familiar, is because, like, yeah, I feel like I could make a similar mistake. Yeah, it, I mean, because I just don't... transpose yourself into like the contemporary analogies for all of this stuff, because we actually have a lot of them right now. Oh, yeah. And you can see how easy it would be to make a catastrophic like ideological mistake. And like, I'm sure like even in his advanced age, he'd probably like admit like I made mistakes in my youth. Well, here's the thing. He, okay. Or he doubled down and was like, I'm pride because he is a prideful bastard. But, you know, this is where the this is where the story takes a turn, because the way that he's represented by people that are against him, because there's an entire organization now that's like you need to get his name off of MoMA. Like there's a well-organized effort to remove this guy from the story. In the same sense that, like, Yuri Gagarin just got, like... You literally can't remove Philip Johnson with the origin of MoMA. No way. It it can't happen, I know. Impossible. I think it's an open question whether or not his name should be on stuff or whatever, but let's get back to that. So, for most of his life, he was able to just basically ignore this period of time because he was successful. No one was incentivized to really ask him about it. When he was asked about it, he would kind of dodge it. He would neither apologize nor indict anyone else. And then in the 90s, when he was an old man, in the 1990s. Ever see a picture of him when he's real old? He did a bunch of interviews where he was asked about it. And he said, like, listen, it was one of the stupidest things I ever did, but I can't change the past. I really regret it. It's just there's nothing I can do about it. Like, what am I supposed to say? And which I think is the proper response, because it's not really an apology. He's just like, the past is the past. I fucked up. Yeah. But what do you want me to do? Yeah. And in those days... That was an acceptable answer. Like, he said that on Charlie Rose, and I think, by and large, everyone was like, all right, that's the best we're ever going to get out of an old man that did that. Right. And that was also 70 years prior. Shouts out, he's from Cleveland. Shouts out to (laughs) Nazis from Cleveland, Dom Yanyuk and uh, Philip. Don't call him, don't call him a Nazi. Don't call Mr. J a Nazi, you know? Well, okay, then, uh, with all that said, what's your input on this? Because, uh, in closing... Yeah. Um... In spite of the scorn that I have for people like this and the scorn that I have for censorship in general, I think this is an edge case where you could write where you could rightfully argue like you can't eliminate him from history and you can't eliminate his aesthetic accomplishments. Um, and you should be vocally critical of his mistakes. Maybe his name shouldn't be on stuff. It doesn't bother um. me that it is, but I can understand rightfully why it would bother a Jewish person like. A hundred percent. 
I mean, but think about it, though. Like, it, back in the day and in the founding of the museum, like, do you know how many Jewish people he was hobnobbing with and having drinks with and having dinners and, th- like, court? The man did not, you know, actively, at least in his advanced age or at least his uh, mature age, ever, 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 you know, as far as we know. I don't know. Ever, ever, ever what? Like, he was never, like, disparaging, as far as we know, of any Jewish people. I highly doubt that with his role, as you're saying, that he could have been openly No, because that would have been be... Able to fu- ha- have we happened. wouldn't have MoMA now. Like, no. it just... No. Um, you know, if you want to take the name down, fine. But, like, you know, the bequest still stands, which is weird, because it's also MoMA's money that was paid to him that then just... You know, it's a circle jerk. But, like, what are we going to do? Like tell Yale to fuck off for having the glass house and keeping right, it. Right, like, exactly. Are we going to shit on anyone who gets a residency at the glass house? Yep. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Like, granted, do I think like his work as an architect is not the greatest work. The gr- greatest work is him building MoMA. That's the work. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Barr built MoMA. Right. You can't, they're just intrinsically linked and you truly cannot, if you erase that, you're, they're also doing the thing of like shoving that under the rug and going like, no, he had nothing to do with it. It's like, come on. Y- yeah. Just own that. Hey, building a museum at mid century was a fraught thing. Right. And you have people with checkered past, checkered money, checkered expert, like stuff is coming into the museum under questionable provenance. Right. But, well, it's like, it's like, is the Apollo program something that should be taken out of textbooks because Werner von Braun was an open Nazi that we recruited? Like there are there are a lot more high level things, right? Uh, or similar level things because I think MoMA in the aesthetic realm is a similar achievement to something like Apollo around the same time. You know, it's kind of apples and oranges, but you get my meaning. Like, yeah, that was that was a fraught time, as all times are, and I think we should all be like pretty sympathetic to that. And I guess like I've been beating around the bush a little bit. I guess like my principal my principled stand would be leave it, leave his name. I really don't. You got to just take the bad with the good when it comes to history. The man is dead. What are He's we? Dead. What are we really going to do He's about dead. it? Like, if you don't like it, you can be offended by it, but it doesn't mean it shouldn't be there. Because, like, I mean, we took the Sackler names off of the map. Well, like in the ca- you know in the case of people that are actively aggrieving a population while they're alive, like right. yeah, fuck yeah. them. In in that case, to me, that's not so much a, a question of censorship, but it is a question of like retaliation for what you've done right at this point this dude's dead moma's a thing you're not getting anywhere by doing this it doesn't advance anything it, it, it it's back to her previous point of why doesn't my virtue signaling do anything well, it's because man. you're targeting dead people yeah and and meaningless issues but like the thing about it that's hard is that you know nazism is the ultimate like ultimate one it's really hard to take a principled stand and, and say like I actually think it should stay there. I don't think you can rewrite history because when it comes to the Third Reich, you're that's you're really going to a degree that's uncomfortable these days. But do you know how many labels? I'm going to cut you off. Do sure. you know how many labels would have to be struck? I know. I I understand. You're not having as hard of a time with it as I am. I, it's just I like, just think like, what are you gonna do? You would have to right. re, you'd have to do several things. A, you'd have to rewrite all museum standard formatting of provenance of acquisition, which is you know unheard of unless you know 
all museums want to have a real reckoning with how they got stuff and where the money came from to get the stuff, which no one wants to have that conversation. Because if you do a yeah, drill yeah, down yeah. on every fucking board member, especially of MoMA going back to its founding, do you really want to know where the fucking money came from? I mean, we know, but we're just not talking about it. Same with the, like we've, we've done this. We've had this conversation on here before of like doing a deep dive on, yeah, yeah. you know, like board members. Ago. And like, if you think about like certain investments in, the Met right now of, you know, huge donations from China, you know, like there's sure. like, you know, there's different a sense of power. And, you know, I always talk about the Zabludovich investment in contemporary art. I'm like, ooh, art from guns. You know, like yeah, we yeah. do you really want to open that? Because then everything you would just have to say all museum 15 reasons why I'm pissed that all museums are closed because I canceled them. Because right. the money always comes from somewhere bad. Right. We are in a, what's that thing? Like a court painter, what's that called? The, the system. Patronage. The, yeah, that one, the P word. Like the Medici's, not great people. What did we get out of it? Some really great shit. Where the money came from? Not great. It's beyond just this one guy yeah. having a shitty terrible point of view in his youth when he was like in thrall with anyone with a strong opinion because he was smart and was very again very easily swayed by anyone with a strong opinion with quote-unquote solid rationale that he bought right like yeah 26 year olds are notoriously stupid right whatever you can be the smartest man alive and also be dumb as a fucking brick when it comes to like realizing stuff about the world right right yeah. I mean, look, we can we can move on, but I just okay. thought it was interesting because in our last podcast at the end, we were talking about almost exactly this, not around Philip Johnson, but around like when you're not in hot blood anymore and a, a few generations later, things have kind of cooled off. How do you look at things like that? And I was making the argument along with you on that podcast that like, I don't know, it's not impossible that somebody will look at Albert Speer and think that that's actually really cool and good because they don't care yeah. about the ideology yeah. anymore. And I think it's we're on the precipice of that with World War II. Right. And, and, and it's an interesting time to talk about somebody like Philip Johnson. That's all. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, as because, you know, he was also like an aesthetic fascist in his own well, in, in the, his and own the, regime, like the inarticulate. You know, ar- I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the inarticulate okay. argument that like the SJW crowd would make is that because he was influenced by Nazism and fascism, that worked its way into his aesthetics and therefore into our society. I think that's such a tenuous, like, argument. I don't. Maybe. Well, but it, but I don't I don't really the, know how that's provable or anything. In terms of the yeah. canon, we can probably unpack that, but um. That's but it's more it, multifaceted than that, as we were just describing. Yeah. Like, it was post-World War II. It was it was a confusing time, and right. people's influences were coming from all over the place. Yeah, ask uh, Max Bill why he ended up in Argentina as a German. Well, yeah, um, sure. They were trying to create a utopia out of the destruction. Fascism is also a utopian vision. It's no uh, mistake yeah. that, like, elements of it would come from that. You that's know? true. Anyway, next point. Next, like, lame point, because that's the good one. When they're just ellipses, too white. I mean, the walls are too white. Paint the walls different colors. She's I playing want some against warth. type here. <laughs> okay. <sighs> you think it's going to go one way, but she takes it and she turns it and complains about neutral wall colors. First of all, most museums are not that neutral, honestly. You, go to, the, you go to the Met. 
and there's fucking rooms full of different shit. There's different oh, yeah. colored walls in every uh, ethnicity and every time period. You know, it's all over the fucking place. If she's talking about MoMA, it's like, yeah, I mean, contemporary and modern art is Just, designed to go in those environments. I don't know how you could deny that. Like, what are you going to do? Do a period room at MoMA where it's wood paneling? I guess. Uh, maybe put a plant on the floor. I would. If they'd let I me would, smoke cigarettes in there, I'd be all for it. Oh, put a smoking stand and a, like a, you know, a snake plant next to, uh, you know, Virheroicus. Oh, don't move me. Oh, my God. I'm just living in a William Leave It now. Oh, heaven. Yeah. Heaven on earth. Yeah. I, I mean, again, this is Who just cares? it's, it's the same point of nothing. like being distracted and needing something but the art to entertain you. Oh, my God. The walls should be pink so that I like the walls so that my selfie looks better in front of them. Truly. It's all about the, the selfie popping. Because, yeah, even is. in MoMA, there's a lot of gray walls, blue walls, like especially like oh, yeah. in Italy and where the Florian Setheimer is like there's a lot of colorful walls or a black box like when it's photography so it pops like it doesn't reveal it it reveals too that these type of people don't really pay that close of attention because they use different whites in different rooms and stuff yes they do and if you're tom haverford style like able to distinguish with your eyes you have good color acuity between like an ice white and a warm you'll be able to tell it's different in a photo gallery than it is in a painting gallery pay attention next time guys yeah. It's not always true, but it's often true. This is why I always love like, you know, at the CM at the CMA when it was freshly reopened, there's a there's a painting where there's the Bouchers and the fra- like the Fragonard. Um and the teeny teeny yeah, the teeny tiny Fragonard and all that. And it's this glorious shade of blue. Yeah. Impossible to patch. Yeah, 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 yeah. They just they repainted all of it in one even coat. I was like, "Wow, that only took 15 fucking years." Good job, guys. Um, but, like, yeah, there's a reason, like, operations-wise, why we don't do that. Because when paints different batches, are going to be different colors. Yeah. You can't do repair jobs, and you're going to spend more money, and then, oh, look, your ticket prices go up again. Yep. Anywho, moving on. <sighs> when they don't give their workers or artists fair pay, we know. No one pays up. Are you fucking kidding me? Which is a fa- which is a fair point, but I don't really see what that has to do with your experience of the place. I wouldn't know. As a visitor, it, it doesn't impact you. So, no. Uh, also, artists do get honoraria sometimes, but not often. But again, like that's not the role of a museum to pay artists. I'm not saying that that structure on a macro level is proper. Like the Rauschenberg initiative of like getting a certain percentage of your auctions, I think should apply to exhibitions too. Like if artists were smart back in the day, like Hollywood actors were and that industry, we all would have unionized all at the same time and this would all be well worked out. But instead we kept with the patronage thing and handshake deals. So this is what you get. And it's not the role of the museum to pay the artist. It's not. And by the time you're at the level where you're showing at a museum, it only makes you money. So all I, I mean, the reason why you're not getting paid by museum is because museum is just taking your prices turning the dial up about six notches and you profit right away because your gallery is like well they have a show coming up, you are so. getting paid by the museum indirectly yeah yeah it's not about expo like this person's thinking about it from like oh well exposure like emerging stupidity yeah and i'm like no, 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 Again, no, no, like no, no, no. she doesn't, she's confusing all these different layers of the art world that have different roles, right? Like you're talking about what you're, you're complaining about what galleries do a lot of the time. Right. Well, and then simultaneously being like, I want museums to be more like them. 
It's like this incoherent ideology. Makes no sense. Yeah. Anyway. Ten. I want to touch the art. Please let me touch it. No. This is one of the worst points. What the fuck are you talking about? And then she tries to frame it like it's an ableist thing. Yeah. Like I'm sorry. It's called visual art. Blind people just can't see it. So. Okay. I mean that the next one. This ties to the next one because ten and eleven are the same fucking thing. Actually, tactile art would allow for more accessibility, and they have like at the Uffizi they uh, 3D printed the Birth of Venus. And I'm like, what? Well, it's great that you can give an experience, an experience to someone that's in some way impaired, but to touch a 3D print of a painting is in no way even a simulation or a mirror of looking at a painting. I don't get what the point of it is. Do you know how to touch color? I don't know how to touch color. You can't. The painting also doesn't have three dimensions. It's about representing space. It's not not about feeling it. So. I mean, just fundamentally, there are certain things that some people can do and other people can't do. That's not a question of, like, morality or of exclusion. It's just, at its base, impossible. You can't do anything about it. Unless it was, like, if you have your little, um, you know, your little guide on your little, uh, that you scanned a QR code on your little phone and you're listening to it and it just describes, you know, the whole thing to you, the way that, like, now certain memes have the this picture is a picture of this with text intersposed on top of it blah blah i'm like hey first of all i'm reading that so well and a lot of that would only make sense to a person that didn't used to be blind if you were born blind you can't have a painting described to you because you don't know what color blue is yeah it's just a priori inaccessible so that's not the fault of society there's nothing you can do about that I mean, what are we going to do? Hand out textiles for people to start feeling on? No, because the acids will literally burn them to shreds. Also, you're not at a children's museum. That's what it is. Are you an adult or not? Well, when they build big, expensive wings but don't accommodate people with physical disabilities, I'm like, I don't know. We got ramps. There's lots of ramps and lots of elevators at most museums, especially in New York. I think that is a problem sometimes in smaller places, but that's just a problem of small businesses. They all have that same problem. You can't afford all of this stuff. Again, it's like, no, that's not fair, but life isn't fair. Well, here's the the kicker that I went, what? In 2017, Yeo Kusama's Infinity Room, saying it in singular is also, what? Uh, was finally made accessible for wheelchair users, but via virtual reality app, is the best. Is that the best that we can do? It's like, listen, the ramp was made by a teeny tiny woman, and that ramp is what two feet across. It's less than the ADA wheelchair. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of them don't have ramps. I, I was assuming what she meant was that, like, oh, the steps. Yeah, that usually you have to walk upstairs to get to them. Whether that's because the gallery requires that or because of her presentation, like. Yeah, it's also a narrow doorway. There's a, it's a small room. You can like barely fit in there as a normal sized person. It, yeah, I mean, okay, like also like the virtual reality thing. It's like wow, that's actually like a pretty amazing pop on a VR headset, and that's pretty good. Yeah, and that's a pretty amazing step to take for such a small like minority of people that aren't able to experience it. Like, is that the best we can do? Like, yeah, kind of, yeah. Oh, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to alter the integrity of the installation or the artwork? The mirror effect doesn't work if the opening is too big and you can see a background. Right. That's why it's like that. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. Are we supposed to cut it larger so that Lizzo can fit in there or something? Lizzo can fit in an infinity room. I don't know. She might crack the mirrors. 
she's just expanding like a red giant star constantly incessantly eating planets <laughs> why do you hate Liz? i just don't understand um she loves tequila too well good i would drink tequila with lizzo but she would drink you under the table <laughs> it wouldn't be hard okay when the american gallery in scare quotes doesn't display any folk art or indigenous art they all do what are you talking about what is this about most of them do i i, I think we got some pots we got some wovens i mean look my gripe with that was that when you have a gallery of american art it's referring to a different thing like most museums that have a plethora of time periods and uh, represent art on a global scale almost always have a, a section for indigenous people and folk art or both. When we say American art, we're really talking about art from like the late 17th century to the present made by colonizers. Okay. And I guess that's what your problem with it is. But like Native Americans are not American in that sense. Even the word Native American is condescending in and of itself right. because you're you're automatically defining them by the people that came and took them over, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like indigenous is a little bit better, but like that's a different category of thing with a different background, with a different tradition and a different aesthetic. You're it's right. Not doesn't that... it flatten it? Doesn't it flatten the meaning yeah. of like an indigenous thing that are usually more ritualistic or to be lived with? I mean, granted, it makes sense with shaker stuff. Well, like... But like Native American and African American as terms both are very stupid. Like if you're actually if you actually think about it for two seconds and you want to be anti colonial, you would not frame them in the context of the colonizers right. at all. So you would call them indigenous or you would simply call them native or you would call them by their tribal name or you would call them black. Yeah. Right. Because there's black people here that are from Australia, you know, they're not African American. What? Yes. Aboriginal people. Oh. There are black people here from the Caribbean. They're not from Africa either. I was just thinking of just like a contemporary black Australian and just like being confused. I was like, are you a DJ? I mean, all Australians are DJs, but like, what? Contemporary black Australian DJ. I mean, that's a hit on SoundCloud if I've ever heard one. On Raya, cleaning up. <sighs> Anyway, it's flattening, yes, and aesthetically it's also flattening. That's, That's what I mean. That's kind of my point. I don't think you want to put paintings of George Washington next to, like, Navajo blankets. It's not that there might not be an interesting interplay there, but if you have a curatorial intention, that's one thing. But if it's just a blanket version of, like, both of these things are American, it's like, not really. No. Also, like, you know, when I think of, like, you know, American art, I'm like, oh, we're going to see some potato-faced portraits. Can't wait. Because American, you know, painters who lived in America who were not English taught were bad. Oh, I know. You you either... Potatoes. Ironically revel in the horrible glory of how terrible our national art was for about 200 years. <sighs> you know, I don't know. The, the only thing that's ever interesting to me in the American sections is for historical reasons. It's almost like going to a natural history museum. Right. Like, I like seeing a picture of, like, Nathaniel Green or whatever, because you're like, oh, that's that guy that pulled the tanks down from Ticonderoga, or the cannons down from Ticonderoga. Tanks. <laughs> yeah. Oof, getting my wars mixed up. Uh-oh. Um, You know, it's stuff like that. I'm not looking at the painting and going, oh, isn't this, like, well done? Like, no, it's no. usually it's not. Except for Gilbert Stewart. I'll give it to him. He was pretty good. Gilby Stewie? Gilby Stewie. Oh, my man. Oh, boy. 
visit the Gilbert Stewart house in Rhode Island and give the tour guide a hard time because you know more than him. Did you do that to someone? A little bit, sort of. Oh, why why you do that? Be nice I didn't, to, no, I be didn't nice get, to the regional I didn't caretakers. Give him, I didn't give him a hard time. I just asked him a lot of probing questions that he was unprepared for. Wow. And then he kept telling me not to touch things, and I'd just do it anyway. Wow, you really just white woman so at the Brandt Foundation. I guess on man. one of these points, oh I agree with this woman. Okay. But only because I'm a condescending asshole, not a whiny bitch. They're one and the same, so <laughs> be careful. <laughs> when they don't have enough drawings, exclamation point. I don't care. I don't really... What's hilarious about that is that it's almost never true. Like, we just so talked about drawings. a David exhibition of drawings only that has and then probably they moved 300 a works in it. <laughs> they moved a painting down the hall. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we won't put it up where it normally is. I don't know. There's a whole room of permanent Degas pastels. I guess those don't count as drawings. No. Oh, by the way, uh, maybe we can cover it on the after show or some point in the future, but I made an appointment at the Met to go to the drawings and oh, prints room. Yeah. They eventually emailed September me back. September 2023? No, uh, f- April 1st. Oh, wow. They take a long time to email you back, but then they're very responsive once you get in touch with them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's so, very... You're going on April Fool's Day, really? Yeah. Maybe they're pranking me. Huh. Well. What are you going to pull? What'd Hi, you pull? I'm Steve-O. Welcome to the Drawings and Prints Room. We can do, like, smash through the glass. Yeah. What do you, what, what'd you have them pull? Um, I got a wide variety of things. I got a... Jasper John's Frank O'Hara collaborative book, which actually we saw in Philadelphia, but only opened to two pages. Right. But I can see the whole thing. They let you like, you put on the gloves. I think they have to do it. But yeah, I asked them that explicitly. I was like, what about books? Can I see all the book? And they were like, yeah. Um, I'm going to look at a Van Gogh oil on paper. I'm going to look at a uh, Gruse pastel of Benjamin Franklin. Huh. Um, I'm going to look. They're not going to let you take photos. They probably won't. I don't know, though. They might. They might if they own it. I mean. Um, I have a Hiroshige that has been influential on me for a long time. Um, another Japanese print from the Meiji era. That's pretty cool. Um, a Joseph Wright of Derby Mezzotint. A Fragonard drawing of two women in a mirror. Like a brush and ink. Mm-hmm drawing um actually wait a second so which one are you gonna steal Fragonard, jasper johns oh a toulouse latrec that i'm really looking yeah, forward to round. um a lithograph uh Henri edmund cross watercolor he's like a post-impressionist friend of Seurat. his watercolors rock um a gauguin woodcut mm. and that's it those are round a lot of post-impressionist and Japanese stuff, because yeah. I th- I tend to think that's the work on the that's the works on paper that I'm most influenced by. Anyway, I didn't really care about most 20th century stuff outside of the Jasper Johns book because it's a book and there's a lot of content there. Right. But um, I didn't go for any of that because it's you kind of see it around. Like galleries it. have it. I work at a gallery. They're around. Not that big of a deal. Right. Um. And then old master wise, I'm I just really like like the 18th century French stuff and 18th century Joseph Wright's British, but you know, same period of time. So like looking at their prints and drawings is interesting to me. They do have a fragility clause, so anything too much older, like they're not. Nec- so I couldn't get a Rubens. No, you could probably get a Rubens, but you probably can't look at a Michelangelo or like a. No, the insurance is too high. 
I don't even think that's actually a problem. I think it's just more of like how hard it is to handle. Right. I think a Rubens would be okay, but I think anything much older than the 17th century is going to be, gonna be off a limits. heavier yeah. lift. Um, they also, there's a size limit too. I asked them that. They didn't specify what it was, but they just said if it's too large, we'll deny it. I said, okay. And they said yes to all of that? Um, I have I I just sent them the list today, so they might say no to some of it, but I'll I'll replace it with a different pick if they do, because you get up to ten. Oh, and I tend to want all of so it. So they'll just prep a table. I think you'll get a no on the JJ book. Maybe not, because that's a little. No, bit I think they'll show me that. I don't think I don't think that's going to be a problem. It's huge though. Yeah, I mean, you only have two hours, though. Right. So how much you can actually get through is a real question. I, I expect that if if I'm going to get a no, it'll be on the Van Gogh. Right. Well, um, that might be framed. Either way, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not sure about framed or not framed. I think it would just be a question of insurance value. I'm sure that Van Gogh's worth $30 million, something like that. It's a big oil on paper. For, yeah, for a work on paper that is not a brush and ink drawing... Like, I'd never heard of that. That's the only reason I'm looking at it. I wasn't right. that interested, like, in the subject matter even. I was just like, I didn't even know one of those existed. This hasn't been on display since 1993 Ooh. at the Met. Like, It's probably in bad shape. It's 18 by 24. It's pretty big. Like, I, I want to see it. But I would expect to get to maybe denied on that. I, I really yeah. don't think anything else I'll get denied on, though. No. Work some paper, you know. It's at the Met. It's been it's being properly cared for. You know. Yeah. It's you know, you're in the best case scenario to be viewing, you know? Mm-hmm. Well anyway, I'm excited about it. I'll update the listeners in a couple weeks when I actually go. Cause... That's like a week and a half. Yeah, it's not that far away. Yeah. All right, we're on the last one. Oh, Bring... there's another one? Yeah. Jesus we're, Christ. Yeah. Oof. Oh yeah. my god, I'm exhausted. <sighs> Which brings me to my final gripe, when museums are just too darn serious. Listen, bitch. They are. A, it's a serious enterprise to go look at things and to have devotional attention to what you're looking at. Like, what? what is this? So it's like museums are places are where art can serve as means of grappling with questions of identity loss and tragedy but to be true sites of healing they aren't shouldn't they also be filled with laughter what if they played music what if they were filled with people from all walks of life all, all ages they also are what if they were sites of community not just on special family days or but every day of the year listen met plays you know on the american wing they have a little band moment in wintertime there's always people singing and you know we got like you know carols and bullshit like it happens just like you're just not looking at the programming. Yes, a Disney adults like this woman are being pandered to constantly by, by museums, and it is the death knell of these it's institutions. Terrible. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, you're getting what you want, and you're still complaining about it. But you're not getting it enough, or at least, let me say this: finding museum programming is always a little tricky. When they're like, "Oh, we're having a little niche thing," and then inevitably, when you go, you know. On a day where a niche programming thing is happening and it's loud, you're like, motherfucker, why not? Why today? There should have been a sign out front that said, stupid bullshit happening inside. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to hear it? And I would have gone, won't wait in the line. Thank you so much. No, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I can't stress enough. Grow up. It's a place for adults. Yes. It's supposed to be quiet, contemplative, serious. 
You know, you can have a little fun in there. You can have a polite conversation. I don't mind if you're discoursing about the art. Right. But I mean, it's not a could... Ruckers. For Christ's sake, <laughs> just go to Applebee's, you fucking idiots. Like, what do you, like, not everything is that. You know? Right. I mean, you know, PJ Clark's is across the park. Go there. Have a boisterous good time. They wouldn't know what that is. Um, I, I, like, you don't have to go to a party. Like, granted, like, you know, at the CMA, when they first started doing the solstice parties and it was fun because you could be loud and get drunk in the museum and you're like, woo! Like, that was kind of ideal because you're like, this is great. But it was also like, we're hobnobbing with, like, the richest people in the city and also, like, people who are just like, it's a party. Like, it's great. But it's transgressive and it's networking and the the spice of life is the subversion of the normal attitude in the place. Right. You know? It's like having a party in the Bardo. Normally you wouldn't do that, but like, you know, if you got the chance, I'll walk over all over Abe Lincoln's son. He's in the wall. Okay. So But you take my meaning. Yeah. Like there's a certain, you know, zest to doing that. That zest doesn't need to exist everywhere all the at time. all times. No. It's the reason public transportation sucks because nobody follows the fucking rules and social protocols anymore. Now they want it now they want museums too. Well, here's the thing. If museums want to break social protocol and I get to, like, you know, someone hands me a gin and tonic as soon as I walk in, I'm not mad. Well, if we're going to break it, let's break it. Let's, you can smoke let's, cigarettes in let's there. Let's make it the 50s. You can drink. You can do ketamine, not in the bathroom, just out in the open. Oh. Hey, you know what I mean? Coffee, tea, cigarette, cocaine? It's like Dash Snow's Loft up in this bitch. That's just the Whitney we're Biennial, it back. you know, opening party. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, which is what those things are like. If you think about the Costume Institute, the gala, like the the first Monday in May, right? Like, what do you think is happening in every bathroom of the Met? Ladies are smoking cigs and doing lines. The men are smoking cigs and doing lines in the same bathrooms that are disgusting most of the time. Like, you just don't have access to that because you are not rich, famous, or well-connected. Right. You could, but you write listicles. <laughs> that's the that's the thing. Ultimately, they're jealous. I, I don't know. And they want to bring everything down to their level. Yeah, I'm jealous of like not partying in museums too, but like I'm not bothered by it because that's not what I'm usually there for. I know. If I ever could though. Ooh, baby. <laughs> I need a plus one because Blackout Billy is making an appearance on that night. That's for goddamn sure. Tie up the brancusis, because otherwise I'm hugging them. I thought you were going to say you were sitting on them. That's one of it. <laughs> A little less girthy, you know. Oh, God. Was that an hour? Did you feel an oh, hour? Oh, we're do you, way over. Did you, do you feel better? Are you feeling a little uh, more? I feel okay. 